complicated and fascinating world that invites us to dive deep into its intricacies. Exploring the ideas and events that excite, intrigue, irritate, and confound us is how we graduate our knowledge beyond meme culture. Join us over a cocktail as we expand our understanding and share in the beauty we find along the way. I'm Stephen Torna. I'm Kat Dwyer. And I'm Stephen Henning. Welcome to the Whiskey Bench. Well, guys, it's good to be back. Like, I missed you last week. It is great. Yeah, we missed you, Henning. I, uh... Yeah. I had a de- I had the delight of listening to a whiskey bench episode without me though, and mm. I was I was so excited to be like I'll be back next week. I can talk about this. <laughs> yeah. I'll join in. I'll join yeah. in. Yeah, very. It's a very rare experience for someone who's listening to a podcast to know that they can just like they can actually jump in on the conversation. Otherwise, uh, it's like that weird, like that fourth yeah. <laughs> fourth person just sitting there like these are my friends, but sta- like standing <laughs> yeah. next to a billboard or whatever. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Good stuff. So like a phoenix emerging from the ashes, Henning is back. He's back. Whatever that means. Uh powerful image. Insert powerful metaphor interpret, here. Interpret as you will. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Um I, what I did miss, especially last week, was mm. anyone singing the praises of my delicious Lagavulin 16. Oh, oh. that's right. That's right. Missed there, opportunity it hurt, there. It hurt my heart <laughs> to not even have a call out. But, uh, I mean, you mentioned me. You just didn't went, mention my whiskey. So that's what I'm drinking tonight. And actually, I have to tell you, this is the very last of this bottle. So I'm going to have to go hunt down another oh. one in the uh, next yeah. week. That's exciting. And also, you know, money. Final pour. It's- yeah, <laughs> money. Dang it. <laughs> Uh, I gotta spend the money. How how much right. is a is a bottle of Lagavulin? Oh, in you're looking at like a hundred thirty, hundred fifty. Holy shnikes! Yeah, probably around there. Right. Good ass whiskey, man. If you drive to Wyoming, <laughs> yeah. you might be able to get it for like one ten. You've said that before, yeah, because yeah. Montana, Montana is, has really restrictive liquor it's laws. Just expensive. Just with taxes and everything like that, it's expensive. Yeah, Don't they limit li- the amount that you can. That a seller can buy or something like that. There's some weird, like with unusual bottles. Okay. And regulation with like in quote rares and things like that. There's lottery systems and random distribution right. and it's all goofy. It is all goofy. That's, all right. That's where we get so many breweries because there's only so many liquor licenses to go around. But if you brew oh. your own, you can start up wherever you want. Right. Well, I mean, exactly. not whatever you want, but. More or less. Although I do believe in recent years, because this was a big thing, people were, I, I believe there was like one dude that had like a hundred liquor license or something he was sitting on. Whoa. Um, and there Whoa. were only so many in the state, right? It was a, a set amount. Oh. And they recently opened up filing and receiving liquor licenses. As the state grows, there that'll change. Y- yeah, no, you can file and actually get them now. I'm okay. pretty sure. Yeah. And, yeah. and people are like, you can't do that. I've been sitting on these forever. And they're like, yeah, but this little tiny mom and pop restaurant can't afford a million dollar liquor license. Right. So why, why is my brain connecting that to like the, uh, the taxi medallions in New York city? Do you remember when that was a big story in the news where it was like, Uber is like completely beating out all the taxi. Yeah. My brain just made that association. I don't know if that's worth anything, but I feel like there's a corollary there. There is. Yeah. You've, they've created, there's an artificially high barrier to entry into that marketplace. Yeah. Like I false think monopoly. Just, yeah. 
Yeah. And the whole liquor license I did in me, I think is stupid. You should just literally have to like sign a piece of paper that says, Hey, we serve alcohol at this establishment and we're following state, you know, protocol, protocol for age. Yeah. And you hand right. it in and right. then you can sell it. I also hate how, <laughs> and I don't know if this extends beyond Bozeman, um, but I hate how the breweries are limited to only serving three beers per guest mm, because right. of pressure from like lobbying bars and casinos basically like like force like lobbied for this legislation because basically like creating a law to limit their competition mm. Mm, which is yeah. frustrating because sometimes right. you want four beers you know yeah. totally and sometimes you totally. want to stay sometimes you want six beers yeah and <laughs> like, you know what and it's not an issue if they have a beer and wine license but the thing is like breweries don't have to have a beer or wine license or a liquor license and so they can't serve alcohol past eight and then there's a limit but if you get a beer and and wine license then you can serve Mm. beer and wine like to your discretion i think until normal operating hours of bars So why don't they just get that? Is it too expensive? Uh, I don't know what the price of barrier is, but basically like if you are a brewery, you can just sell it without any sort of licensing. Interesting. So long as you meet the time and limit hmm. of consumption. So Okay. It's just all cool. weird, annoying. Very interesting. Red, red, o- overly red. regulated. Yeah. But if you're sitting in your home studio and recording a podcast, <laughs> you can drink... However much and whatever you want. So Torna, I, uh, what are we drinking tonight? We are going classic with just a regular old Manhattan. Mm. Mm. Classic. Simple, delicious, strong. Mm-hmm. Few ways to make it, few variations. This is the variation that is referred to as, in quote, perfect. So oh. we have two ounces of rye. You can go two and a half ounces for the perfect rendition. I did two. I did my nicest rye I have on the shelf right now, the Whistle Pig 10-year, because it's hard to beat. And then you do one ounce of vermouth, and I split it half dry, half sweet, and that's where the perfect comes in. Throw some aromatic bitters in there. Serve up, which means in a glass without ice. And uh, garnish with a lemon. I like to do a lemon and a cherry. It's quite pretty with both. Beautiful. Why not? I like it. I got to try it. Got to see how it is. I have to say, sadly, I'm starting to have this like uh, belated COVID impact. (gasps) Everything tastes and smells. Not everything. A lot of things taste and smell sort of like this greasy burnt oh no smell yeah it's a bummer the last like week this has emerged and the and it's yeah i think it's getting better like my dinner tonight actually smelt bad but tasted normal (laughs) but i just went to take a sip of this and it totally smells like it you know yeah like the greasy that makes me sad it's a bummer but I'm going to drink it anyway. Okay. If you don't like it, I'll drink it. <laughs> no, I want to drink it. <laughs> Steven will double fist it tonight. I actually, mm. I was thinking about that is like COVID. I mean, obviously don't get COVID. Be safe. Uh, you guys can attest to it. You, you both can attest to this. Like COVID is not great. But 
Yeah. What an what an interesting experiment it is to lose your sense of smell for a time. Cause I feel like I feel like if you lose that sense for long enough, it really forces you to pay attention to how you how you are nutritionally feeding your body. Like if if taste is no factor, I feel like we would all be eating like the best greens, the best meats. And not worry about like, oh, kale is too bitter or whatever. But as long as it, you know what I mean? I mean, we, yeah, we, we definitely live in a time where we're spoiled with amazingly delicious foods. Yeah. When I, when I lost, when I couldn't taste or smell anything while I was sick, I found, well, one, that was the hardest part because I love to cook and I love to eat. And so I was just like, right. And I couldn't hang out with anyone, obviously. So I was like, <laughs> what am I doing with myself? But, um, but I found that I like eating just became like utilitarian exercise and right. I just yeah. like ate yeah. what I needed to survive, but I didn't eat totally. a lot. And I guess I already eat pretty clean and healthy, so I didn't make that shift, but mm-hmm. I, I felt like I ate a lot less and I didn't put as much effort into right. what I cooked. You're like, did I salt this? I don't know. Doesn't I, matter. Totally. I'm normally a salt whore, and I was like, whatever. I'm, not, I'm wasting my nice salt. Um, I believe the politically correct term title. is salty wench. Yeah, salty wench. Is that what it is? That's that's yeah. the shanty salty talk. Wench. Salty wench. <laughs> salt whore. Salt whore is offensive. Right, is. Very good. Uh, oh man, we were talking about sea shanties last week. We, were. we didn't even talk about salty winches. You yeah, totally, you totally were. Opportunity. <laughs> great, Bummer. great breakdown of the GameStop stuff, you guys. I enjoyed myself. Okay, Torna did a really great job with I'm that. Trying to, I tried to yeah. learn about it. I've continued to, and con- more stuff has come out that's been interesting. And I stand by my statements of hedge fund manipulation and right. Some interesting new information about Robin Hood, though, how uh, Planet Money had a fantastic episode about how they essentially, because they're kind of acting as the brokerage or like the middleman in the stock purchase, Mm -hmm. is like people were buying GameStop so hard through them that it was putting Robin Hood themselves on on the hook for like three or four billion dollars all at once. And basically the, the... the stock exchange was saying like, you need to be able to pay this in like 24 hours. Cause this is how right. the system yep. works. So Robin hood was like, we can't do that. So they shut the, so it wasn't necessary. It's not like, we can't say it was a one-to-one like Twitter just shut down Donald Trump and Robin hood just shut down GameStop mm-hmm. diamond hands like that. <laughs> we can't make that correlation. Is that which true you guys- for all of the oh. other consumer trading I guess services that ended I, up ceasing trading is that is that what they're claiming to be the reason why? Yeah, that's what I that's what I understood from it. Hmm. Okay. Which that makes <clears throat> sense because when the price is like the stock isn't worth that artificially high price and like no, some, it wasn't worth the artificially low price. No, but it was a hell of a lot closer to that. It was more accurate than it, than being valued at like over four hundred dollars, mm. and yeah. and Which someone now, is on the hook for that. Right, which so now like, it's like there's back an incentive to, to stop the inflation. Yeah, yeah, totally. And and what I saw, like from what I could see, I think a lot of people were saying that it's probably it was probably worth like around sixty or something like that. Um, mm-hmm. Probably on the more liberal side of value. 
But yeah, hey, I, I mean, I, what are people willing to pay? That's what it's worth. And it, it when it was four hundred and fifteen dollars, that's what it was worth. Right now it's ninety. Well, yeah. If you depending on how you want to like, like what, what information is determining that price, mm-hmm. and if it's like the productivity of the business. No, it's not worth that amount. Right. Right. But, Look at Tesla. but if people are Tesla's willing not to, worth what it's worth. No, they're I know. They wouldn't exist without <laughs> taxes and subsidies, taxes on other car well, and manufacturers just, and, just and government Elon Musk, subsidies. His brand. Sure. Like that's that's what has value in it, right? But it's worth that much because people are continuing to buy into it at eight hundred dollars, whatever it is, eight hundred and seventy dollars of stock. Totally. Yeah. So I did a little bit of research on the short selling topic because that's not something I normally really mm-hmm. take much interest in. So I didn't really did know you watch the Khan Academy video. Anything about it? No, I did not. <laughs> I probably should have. Um, I did. I did. Torna. I just wanted you to know that. Uh, I just you wanted to hear Sal's voice, right? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And just for the sake of playing like devil's advocate, I don't I don't really feel super strongly about this. Sort of on the flip side of the argument that we made in the last or that you made in the last episode. The other side of the coin is that short selling actually serves a valuable role in the market by like helping determine accurate prices mm-hmm. and yeah, it's um, downward pressure creating liquidity because basically which is the result of getting a more accurate price. Mm-hmm. And that they I in my reading I came across a really good metaphor that I thought you guys would appreciate. So if I may, I'll I'll read this to you guys. The metaphor said, um, if voting on a referendum is unconstrained, i.e. voters can either vote yes or no, then an unbiased result is achieved. However, if a voter is constrained to voting either yes or otherwise abstaining entirely, then the upward bias on the results would be introduced in favor of yes votes. The final tally would not reflect the collective will of the electorate. Similarly, removing the ability of short sellers to transact in the market would introduce bias on securities prices. Since Mm. short sellers would be restricted from trading on their information, security prices would not be fully reflected of underlying fundamentals. Mm. Okay. So it's just a way of like relaying information about the value of that stock. Right. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Just a thought. Yeah. (laughs) I I still don't really understand the, the short selling from just like a it being a viable form of of investment i don't think it's don't think it's going anywhere it's not illegal and i don't think it should be cuz like no like if normal if normal quote unquote trading is looking for a stock that's like underpriced and you're expecting it to go up and you're going to buy low and, and right. make a profit because it's going the value of it you think is going to go up then short selling is just doing the opposite it's looking for a pri- a stock that's overvalued right and I don't, I don't really see like a distinction. No, I don't, there. I don't see any issue within it, with it until you get into the weird market manipulation. And that's where I was like, ah, if you're shorting a stock and then using market manipulation to force a company's stock prices down, right. I would say that is a ethical issue. What tools are you calling market manipulation? Uh, Basically, um, the fact that, well, with GameStop specifically, they basically shorted 140% of available stocks. Mm-hmm. So you have oh. this weird, like, they're 
shorting stocks that don't exist. So there's like a, there's this weird surplus that's not there. Gotcha. And then using their massive buying power to trade between each other seems really sketchy to me. Like, hey, I'm going to, hey, Henning, I have got a million stocks and they're worth $10 each. I'm going to sell them to you for $9 each. And then I'm instantly going to buy them back to you for $8 each. And then you're going to buy them all back from me from $7 each. Uh, I see what you're saying. just trade back and forth rapidly. Drive it down. Billions of dollars. Yeah. And and then trade it down. Huh. Yeah, that does seem like a manipulative (laughs) thing. (laughs) Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. There it is. It seems a bit uh, weird. All right. So I guess right. that's the difference between like theory and then mm-hmm. real world application right. of this. And stuff. then the uh, yeah. the metaphor that you just read is actually, I mean, I pretty, pretty solid. much agree with that completely. But the, it, that same metaphor actually fits in, I think, pretty well with the idea of the, the forced yes, or you can yes or abstain. Mm-hmm. That's basically what ended up happening, whether there was legitimate reasons or not, with only allowing people to sell the stock. Right. I understand stock market less than I understand politics. <laughs> yeah, isn't that fun? Me too. Me too. <laughs> I want to, yeah, I am no, I am a dum-dum, but yeah, it's fun right. to think about. So speaking of GameStop and Sea Shanties, I'm ready to release the Kraken, as you said last week. <laughs> yes, um, release the Kraken. Real, real quick, I wanted to touch on a few ideas that I did not have the opportunity to <laughs> respond to in the moment last week. First of all, all right. our, our friend Alex Falcongrove shared a, a pretty handy tweet from Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Uh, yes. Because you guys, you guys had mentioned, like, uh, it might be, like, uh, somebody's trying to say it's, like, AOC is offensive. or Right. H- right. However, they were trying to argue that. And from, from her, her Twitter account herself, essentially, like, I think what she's arguing for is the discrepancies she's seeing in Congress where fellow Congress people will be referred to as like congressmen or congresswoman and and not even that her tweet was essentially like all uh, us women kind of notice when we're not referred to as the respectful like title address that we're due that everyone else gives to each other and then but they so they call me AOC in the chambers and it's like no I don't shouldn't I have the same level of respect as as when you call like Senator McConnell to the stand or whatever? They she built that brand, so I'm more in that vein. Like she said, oh well, only my followers and and like fans and yada yada yada. But I'm like, I don't know. Yeah, she's really built the AOC brand. I mean, like marketed T-shirts. What she's got like 12 million followers on Twitter and yeah, and, pretty solid work. Pretty solid work. I I but, do. I mean, I do agree. I guess in in a hearing or a meeting, like it, it seems it, like it would be appropriate to just refer to each person as Congress, Congresswoman, and Congressman. And do they not? I, I don't know. Are they like Congressman Crenshaw, and then they look over and be like, "Hey, AOC." I you know I'll just say sort of broadly speaking, <laughs> I can't stand that our like political discourse constantly devolves to like talking about AOC and literal like name calling this. Yeah. Like this silly little, like 
media grabs mm-hmm. that she generates for herself. And somehow we spend a week talking about whether or not it was legitimate for her to say she felt like Ted Cruz was going to have her murdered at the Capitol, even though she wasn't in the building that was overrun. And it's just like <laughs> that wow. whole thing's there been are a so delight. many more important things happening and it's obnoxious. <laughs> and the reality is, is like she's good at PR. She's yeah. good at turning any situation into a narrative about herself. And you can respect that or you can find that disgusting but it is what it is and people fall right into the trap because what have we been talking about Mm. all week you know like Mm, yeah if everyone just ignored it and talked about real things we'd all be better off yeah i mean that's a big thing in the news we're not even talking about like uh covid relief stuff the as far as uh, current relief funding is concerned they're starting to put more and more restrictions on it and limiting the amount of people that are going to receive it. And it's not in the media because we're talking about AOC's stupid nickname. What we're talking about more, though, is more his Republican branding right now with Marjorie Taylor Greene just going nuts Ugh. and they're thinking of removing her from committees and whatnot. Like, right. And then, and then you see like the Republicans are like, well, yeah, we'll remove her, but you have to remove Omar. I don't care. They've like all these people have said really bad stuff. Or done really weird things. And I'm like, deal with it, but do your job. Because when you're fighting over these things, you're not doing your job. Right. Right. And ultimately, like, the voters who voted them in can vote them out. And that's their responsibility. Like, the House absolutely has the power to remove people from certain committees. Like, mm-hmm. sure, fine, have mm-hmm. that conversation. And But, right. like, let's move on. Like, let's make a decision and move on. And if these people are so, like... If the things they say are so egregious, then the people who they represent will, it's their decision to make, right? And yeah. Like, yeah, they'll vote totally. them out if they want to. Totally. Well, and honestly, like, of like you guys are saying, it's not in Omar's district because apparently there's a lot of voter fraud there. Oh. So. <laughs> oh. <laughs> there's a lot of ballot harvesting in her district, but whatever. Mm. <laughs> it's a lot of brand building. It's like it goes hand in hand with all the fundraising they have to do at the same time. Like, that's, that's a lot of the incentive yeah. to make sure that you're keeping up the brand whether you're called by initials or called congresswoman when it's your turn to speak there is a very good reason why there's like a dozen senators and congresswomen and congressmen that are in the spotlight all the time that have social media presence and things like that like like i can think of all like the end quote famous people and then the rest of them are just like uh, i don't know normal people that are just yeah yeah and then you like see one of them start talking. You're like, what are you, what are you on about? Who, Who are, are you? you? Right. <laughs> what are you doing? Where are you from? You got it. I mean, like, and it's easy in Montana, right? Because we've, we've got so few, but like, I'm sure there's plenty of people that are like, what is this guy on about? Oh, wait, what? Oh, he's, he's from my state. Like, yeah. Wait, what, what do you do? <laughs> all our, not our so all- much Senate and Congress, right? There's, there's few yeah, enough, but that's fair. Speaking of Montana Congress people, they're all, all three of them somehow are pushing back on Biden's Keystone decision or Keystone action. Essentially, yeah. 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 Uh, all, all three of our representatives and senators mm-hmm. are there saying like, nah, actually this, this might be okay as long as we just respect the land that we're going through. And, but ultimately advocating for like, this is going to create a lot of Montana jobs. This is going to help create an economy in Montana that's kind of lacking right now after the big Bakken oil boom or whatever. So, right. That's fun. And there's a really good argument to be made that not transporting the oil through that pipeline is actually 
could potentially increase carbon emissions because the oil is still going to be produced mm. or extracted and transported and mm-hmm. refined, but now it's going to be done on by trucks yep. and rail yeah. and, mm-hmm. you know, burning coal. Well, and people complain about fossil fuels and then they're like, yeah, we're going to halt all, you know, natural gas and fossil fuel contracts on public lands. Oh, the leasing like, ban. The yeah. leasing ban, but it doesn't address any leases on coal as far as I'm aware. Mm. Which is in a lesser demand right now, but like the emissions from coal is way worse than yeah. Fossil the, the, fuels. <laughs> the attack on fracking and and natural gas is really silly because the the rise of natural gas has been the really the driving force of what's allowed the United States to to lower our emissions over the last several years by like fifteen percent, I believe, since like the fracking boom under the Obama administration, mm. which persisted despite <laughs> federal uh intervention anyway so yeah it sort of feels more like political red meat thrown out to a base rather than something that's like a really sound decision that will actually reduce emissions and have the long-term impact that it's intended to mm. not to mention all the funding there's mm-hmm. so many programs that rely on <laughs> the revenue from oil and gas on federal lands Conservation one is something that Perk's been talking about and looking at, and education is another huge one for different various states rely on that revenue to fund public education programs. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Wyoming is pretty heavy on that. Yeah, big time. Um, And the other thing, too, is like in places like Texas that have more state land rather than federal land that the invest the private investment in those oil and um, gas extraction operations is just probably going to be rerouted to state land. So basically the communities that mm. once were benefiting from this are not anymore and other communities are going to mm-hmm. benefit from it. So is that really offsetting carbon emissions? I don't think so. Good stuff. I feel like I feel yeah, like I've I led agree. us to so many weird corners. <laughs> hey, that's all right. That's all right. We're just, we're catching up. Yeah, absolutely. Um, speaking of name calling, though, uh, you guys want to talk about PETA again? Because (laughs) (laughs) you know it. Yeah, always. (laughs) I had the hilarious moment just now of when I was trying to say like uh, AOC herself tweeted. I almost said straight from the horse's mouth. And I was like, oh, no, that's not (laughs) that's not a term we should use. How could you? Um, So so Kat, I saw this tweet. You shared it with us on our text thread as well. And Mm -hmm. first of all, let me say, I think most of what. PETA is getting at there, most if not all, is pretty ridiculous. I'm like, the speciesism conversation is a weird one to me. And again, like you guys said it last episode, it kind of feels just like a like we don't know how to comment on the current moment, so we'll just try and keep it in our niche right. and talk about speciesism. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's but, a reach. But to bring to I'm gonna play the other side of the mic here, the other side of the argument, because I do think that there are reasonable people who care about animal rights or like yeah. i don't i don't i call my cat fatty like i do, she's not offended by it she doesn't know english so like wait what do you call it i call my cat fatty, fatty. and yeah I dummy i used to and, call my my dog a slut right <laughs> see and that's cute. funny like, that's funny <laughs> <laughs> she'd always come when we'd call her that too right. she'd but always like, like run over like, they hey. don't know english they don't know the meaning of words like i'm not a, i'm not worried about offending a pig if i call a human a pig but you, like right. yeah. 
that right. that's a little bit of what the, that argument felt like. But I what I did actually want to talk about because one thing I really want the whiskey bench to stand for is kind of what we intentionally injected into our intro is like we're trying to like rise above meme culture a little bit and Mm -hmm. it's it's fine and good to laugh about a good meme you find but if i'm going to come at you guys a little bit for the last episode is we like i felt like you two responded essentially with a meme in kind and then just moved on whereas i do think there's an actual (laughs) there's an actual conversation to be had there like about what i really wanted to talk about was what steven what's the argument the positive argument that human beings are superior to every other species because i think this is one of the fundamental things that PETA people believe that yeah that might be at at odds if if we're just going to come out and say like i'm going to say it humans are superior If you like what you're hearing, the best way to tell us about it would be on Apple Podcasts or on Facebook.com slash WhiskeyBenchPod for Android users. There you can leave us a five-star rating and a one or two sentence review to help others find the show. Thank you to Reagan James for the use of our theme music, The Habit, off her album, Message. Find her work on Spotify and Apple Music. Okay, so I'm going to go a step further in my explaining what I mean, I suppose. I truly believe that humans are superior. Well, one, because I think we're endowed by a creator, but we have a distinctly unique capability of perceiving value and uh, categorizing things and understanding things more so than any other species. And so I'm going to go a step further and go kind of off topic here, but like people that are like the what were they? The extinctionist people that were like, the world would be a the better... The Extinction Rebellion. Yes. The yeah. world would be a better place if there weren't humans in there. Also mm. known as eco-Nazis. Eco-Nazis. Yep. yep. I think that the earth, void of humans, would be worthless because there would be nothing there to give it value. And that's why I think that humans are superior. Like, we are here and we give things value and we order things and... So it would be worthless because there's nothing to give it worth? That to... To perceive it as having worth. Okay. But like... There's nothing to value it. Yeah, but wouldn't you say like a herd of cows would be valuing the earth in the way they find the grass to eat still? Cows wouldn't exist without humans. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> they wouldn't last long. I mean, yeah. Evolutionary definitely. Deer then. Yeah. All right. Like whatever animal you want to choose. Like if, if another species gets to thrive and enjoy their environment... Mm-hmm. Maybe even sans humans, like I'm not, I'm not an eco-Nazi, but like I think there might be arguments to be made, like oil spills wouldn't happen and we wouldn't have problems in the ocean with like islands of plastic floating all over the place if humans weren't doing that. Sure. So like we're negatively, we're, we're like, we're devaluing the species below us by acting as if we are like inherently superior true but there's two sides of this right because we're saying not a not of a world void of humans as if humans were never here it would be like humans go extinct and our impact was still here okay the fact would be that there would still be islands of plastic floating around but now that would just be a big issue that has no solution it wouldn't be a bad thing right because there's no one to perceive it as being bad it would just be some evolutionary force Mm, mm mm-hmm 
So like no animal would perceive that floating island as like a, an atrocity that needs to be fixed. Yeah, but but some but those that, but for the creatures that that particular type of pollution impacts negatively, they might not perceive it to the same depth that a human being would perceive it, but they would probably it would be an impediment in some way to their natural process sure. and that would be a problem for them. Mhm. Again, not to the same but degree, only, but like it's values only subjective. a problem to them because I truly believe like humans are the only thing that understands like those higher concepts. Sure. Okay, the higher concept, but like yeah. if if it's trying to navigate and it runs into this thing and it gets stuck in its nose and it's a pro and and it you know dies eventually, yeah. like it'll adapt or die. Not that it's sitting there thinking like. Fucking a! I wish like, <laughs> this plastic didn't exist. It doesn't know what it though. is, but it would. But it still is. But the plastic is still posing a problem mm-hmm. for it, right? Yeah. So, I don't know. The value is subjective, I think. Right. Maybe so. And, and I also just tend to think the humans are better because of what we're capable of doing. Well, I think we're certainly superior. Yeah, superior. For that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think that's objectively true. Yeah. So the whole thing that like Pete was saying, like it is propagating the myth that like humans are superior to other creatures. I'm like, I, that ain't I, no I, myth. I feel like it's object. There's objective, objective measurable, you know, what are they? What's the measurable thing? Is it the fact that we have language or like we can sew clothes uh, or like what, what would you measure to prove this language, history, language. art, science, building, creation, smithing, like refinement. Okay. Understanding of the materials. I mean, primate- the fact that we can, Breed and create new species of animals. <laughs> yeah. Where were you going, Kat? And I guess where primates get close to... Yeah, primates? Yeah, primates get closer to this, but, like, our ability to take the resources around us and then create more and new things with them mm-hmm, is mm-hmm. relatively unique for human beings. And, again, primates can do that to some degree, but, like, they can't build a house and we're a also, car We're also incredibly in cooperative creatures. Like we work together in large amounts of people, mm-hmm. more so than other animals. And we create a lot more. Like the animal kingdom is, to use the cliche, it is a dog eat dog world. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's it's brutal and it's cold and it's harsh, and and human beings can live that way as well. But we also cannot live that way and can live in peace. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that I think is unique to human beings. Sure. So like, it's a it's a joke. In the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, that dolphins are objectively the best species, but even <laughs> even in a satirical joke, I mean, there's there's still a little something there. So, like a thought experiment I've heard is, uh, say we're visited by extraterrestrial life, and the only species on the planet that could possibly communicate with it are jellyfish. The jellyfish, like yeah. in the chain of evolutionary growth is pretty low down there, right? Like they're invertebrates. They don't even need yeah. bones. They can go in the dark, which is cool. But like if they, so like if they're the only thing, jellyfish are my favorite animal. There's so I, many interesting things about jellyfish. Totally. But I actually would like not <laughs> even be a, like jellyfish might be second to humans. Right. <laughs> but wouldn't, but see how it's subjective. Yeah. <laughs> wouldn't, wouldn't the jellyfish then, if it was able to communicate with the aliens, like, okay, I'm anthrop- anthropomorphizing a little bit, which, again, is inherently a thing, which is like, we anthropomorphize things because we try to relate to them as humans looking down on the species below yeah. us, right? So I get that that's a, like, a symptom of what I'm trying to argue, but if the jellyfish is the only thing that could talk to the alien, and the alien is like, 
so what's up with your planet? The jellyfish would be like, well, I mean, it's like, it's mostly dark and I kind of just swim around, <laughs> but like, it wouldn't be that much past the jellyfish to be like, maybe I'm the superior species on this planet because I'm the only one that can communicate with something that's not from my I think there's planet. other metrics. I mean, totally. Like we, we, I mean, <laughs> I, I could wipe out every jellyfish on Earth with some crowdfunding. <laughs> Wow. Confidence. <laughs> that is really confident. They could never get they would never be able to get me. Wow. Fast forward ten years yeah. from now, Torna's on a beach somewhere. That, <laughs> that is not stung to death <laughs> under a pile of jellyfish. Uh, that is not what I was expecting. But so I I guess what I'm getting at is like like yes, we believe we're superior. And I think PETA is taking the argument way too far with with their infographic here that you guys correctly pointed out like teams of people like put this together <laughs> and got this tweet yeah. ready like cat you know what it's like yeah. to tweet behind an account like this like right <laughs> people yeah. reviewed this like that was that was a campaign like uh, totally that's, yeah that went through there was a lot of conversation about that before mm-hmm. they made it public but i think that i think the legitimate argument though is like just because we're the superior species and because we have the power to recognize it and the power to exercise it doesn't necessarily mean that that gives us free reign to disrespect whatever species we want to well so that's where i think they've created a straw man argument no one well okay sure there's weird people who do abuse animals of and course there's cultures that are and there particularly are cultures abusive that, yes, to animals for sure yep. for sure mm-hmm. but so I don't know who they were trying to target on there, but right. if they're trying to target the vast majority of Americans on Twitter, I think that that is a straw man argument. Big swing and, and a miss. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, well, I'm sorry. I don't think there's this, there's two choices between you either are an abusive, like, speciest mm-hmm. <laughs> um, right. who not only likes to beat and kick dogs, but you also, you know, like to throw animal slurs at Mm -hmm. human beings to Mm. degrade animals or you do the hard opposite of that like i think there's there's a middle ground of people who recognize that human beings are probably the most are the most intelligent species Mm -hmm. and sort of have a role of husbandring is that a yeah, husbandry. Yeah, husbandry. Yeah. Well, husbandry, but husbandering. Stewarding. Yeah. The earth and its resources and you they don't want to beat animals right? right like i mean there's yeah. but PETA has an extreme definition of what like abuse is right like eating chicken is abuse by right. PETA's definition mm-hmm. so but again though bit, I, I think i'm i'm willing to say that there are quite reasonable people who eat vegan because they have the same convictions so for us to just respond with like humans are superior and PETA is dumb that's not helpful that doesn't contribute to the conversation you know, true. That's fair, and and I and yeah, there's plenty of people, and I know some vegans that they're vegan because they don't like the idea of killing animals, and that's a perfectly valid reason to be vegan. And I don't. Well, that's part of the incredible thing of human beings. We operate in a space and mental capacity and society that we've created where we have choice right Mm -hmm. so you can have that belief and you can choose not to eat meat and you can also hold the opposite view and choose to eat meat right yeah and other creatures don't quite have that ability imagine a lion if a lion was like i'm not gonna eat animals 
<laughs> just die. You have no option. You eat meat or you die. Right. That's my brother. That's your brother. <laughs> Looks like a model. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, my brother's calling me. And what just happened? He's got like jeans and a leather jacket. And... That's when he lived in Shanghai. <laughs> oh, okay. I was like, is he in front of like a, a red carpet a, event a kind of deal? A repeat, yeah, yeah. An event in Shanghai. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> Dang. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> oh, good stuff. All right. Sorry, Henning. That was my that was my PETA re- material. I just kind of wanted no, to that's, revisit that conversation. You were correct. There, there needs to be a distinction drawn between making fun of the weird language controlling of PETA. And I, I don't even think PETA is necessarily a very fair representation of even a lot of animal activism. And no, totally you know, not. But it gets back to conservation. It gets back and, to what we were saying like is like the value assignment that we make is subjective. And what Kat accurately pointed out is that we as individuals get to make that value assignment. So if somebody values chicken life enough to never eat animal products again and they only eat vegan, like, yes, more power to mm-hmm. you. And you can reasonably do that without being the, the the people tweeting behind speciesism. Yeah, or you could, like, go full-on carnivore diet and because you have different values. And that's, that. I don't know. This This gets us back to, like, where the whiskey bench, like, pretty much started is where where these values with where this value assignment gets sticky and our interpretation of the world mm-hmm. to fit those values postmodernism looks pretty reasonable at this point like when we're talking about a lot of these like individual experiences becoming uh subjective that that's a rabbit trail that deserves another episode <laughs> ooh can you see rabbit trail oh right <laughs> i see i did it again dang it the words I mean okay so like as I pointed out anthropomorphizing happens because we we want to lift animals up to our level and be like I'm making eye contact with my cat and he seems sad it's like yeah maybe but mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. also he it, it, he has the facial expression that we've mapped to a human face that equals sad but that's not true of yeah. felines so we do the same thing when we push metaphors down so like I, I loved your pointing out too that they're uh, like their terrible translation of snake into jerk. It was like, wait, <laughs> yeah. Like we call someone a snake when they're like when they're slippery, when they're like creeping Deceitful. us out, when they're just. Do you remember Satan? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. We call it snake oil yeah, salesman, even... right? Yeah. Like there's all sorts of that. Instead of instead of calling someone a snake, just call him Satan. Just <laughs> just call him Beelzebub. Just get after yeah. it. All right. Yeah, if we can't agree on the definition of these things, how are we going to fight yeah. real species? What is speciesism if there isn't a clear definition of what these words I, mean? Yeah. Yeah. That's why I said I feel like it was more of a political stunt than something anyone has real conviction no, I, about. Maybe, maybe they maybe. believe <laughs> no publicity is bad publicity. Yeah, and, for, and for the record, I, I agree with you guys. The tweet was ridiculous. And Torna, I agree with your assessment of human superiority but i just wanted to push that con- no but conversation a little bit this is a good this is a good exercise because it is true i mean i look at that and i laugh and i just brush it off but there is more to. i mean there was more to talk about so good i mean i i, I summoned oh i didn't summon yeah i kind of summoned the kraken i was like <laughs> i want handing to come back and and push you know yeah this is why there's three of us yeah absolutely right? I have one more, but I, I, do we want to still talk executive orders an hour into this recording? Oh my gosh, I know there's coming a little late. Fair enough. 
I don't know where you get. What was the other item though that you want to talk about? Well, then? I just wanted to ask an open question, and that's mm-hmm. what in your mind is the difference between valid expertise and uh, technocracy? Because we had some words about technocratic people last episode that I wanted to explore. Okay. Say that again. The yeah. difference between the difference between valid expertise and okay technocracy. Uh, I would say a technocrat is someone who wants to. I think it's it's a difference between um, offering expertise as a as a guide versus mandating behavior based on your expertise. expertise. Mm. Mm. Okay, so I think it's it, I think it's in, the differences in how it's applied or how it's um how it's shared and and yeah applied. Gotcha. So y- your example of California going and essentially breaking their own rules and Newsom is opening up the state again, even mm-hmm. not hitting the same thresholds. But now California is saying like we're making these decisions, but we're not going to share the data that we use to reach this conclusion. So that the technocrat mm-hmm. would take that data and do exactly that. They would say, like, we've made this decision because we're the experts, but we're not going to, like, show our work or do the double blind or right. uh, peer review or yeah. anything like that. Okay. It doesn't give it doesn't leave room for and even if they did show show the data or explain their reasoning, but it was a law and you had no choice. Mm. Like, it doesn't leave room for, um, like, rational third party agents to make their own decisions right Right, sure yeah yeah whereas i think experts providing their expertise and sharing information so people can have accurate data to base their own to base decisions off of is super valuable but being told that there's one option because their data is the best is dangerous cool i mean that was short you cleared that up for me quite well (laughs) (laughs) all right there we go Next one. <laughs> Solid work, fam. Jeez. <laughs> Not just Wall Street shorting us over here. <laughs> yeah, no, but talking about Wall Street real quick, circling back to that, it was interesting to see some more media manipulation where like all of these mainstream media outlets were saying that Wall Street bets and like online forums were shorting silver. Yeah, I heard about this. And uh, yes, and I like even Wall Street Journal was talking about it. And all like they were like, yeah, it's so and so. Now they're shorting silver. And instantly I like got on Wall Street Bets and was looking around. And everywhere I could see, they're like, this is not true. No one is shorting silver. Like none of us in this movement are in silver and trying to short silver. Nice. Like, this is a weird media distraction yeah. from what's going on. Wow. And I saw that and I was like, how can you not see this and be really weirded out? It weirded <laughs> totally. me out. I was like, ah. <laughs> Collusion. <laughs> kind of nuts. That's, yeah. So, yeah, that just reminded me of that. <laughs> so, yeah, that reminded us. Oh, my gosh. Yes. All right. Do we want to push another 90-minute episode and do some executive order chat? I feel like this one was just like recap on the shop talk. That's I'm fine with with wrapping up uh, even a little early tonight and dive into executive orders next week. Maybe a strictly executive orders. There we go. Anything on our minds? Right, right. Uh, anything else relevant happened? Something big happened. Um, 
that largely went unnoticed just given the news cycle today. Um, but last Friday, Kevin Kleinsmith, who was the uh, attorney with the FBI who doctored an email which enabled the FBI to get a FISA warrant to spy on Carter Page and subsequently the Trump administration or the Trump campaign mm. was prosecuted and sentenced to 12 months of probation and 400 hours of community service. Seems pretty weak. Real weak. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was disappointed to hear that. Yeah. Because I think he should have been made an example of, and I think there should have been consequences for, uh, like real treason, completely <laughs> doctoring an email. Um, basically, long story short, Carter Page had been a asset of the CIA and um, had done work for them, and therefore had Russian contacts. And when the FBI was looking into getting a FISA warrant to spy on Carter Page. Carter Page basically said, yeah, I have Russian contacts, but I worked, I was working for the CIA. So like, and go talk to them. They'll mm -hmm. tell you. And so they, the FBI contacted the CIA and the CIA uh, emailed and said that he was a CIA contact. So the email said that he was a CIA contact and Carter and, um, Kleinsmith altered the email to say was not a CIA contact. And then, then that gave them the green light to get the FISA warrant. And that's a huge abuse of power. Mm -hmm. And I find it ironic, and we've talked about this a little bit before, but there's, and I think justifiable frustration with misinformation. And there's recently calls for um almost like a the journal was calling it like a ministry of truth yes, right of, of creating a yeah of creating mm -hmm. a, a federal bureaucracy that would help work with social media companies um and also just like tech companies like google to to weed out misinformation mm -hmm. which that's could we could have an entire episode on sort of the dangers of that. I, I think that would be a really but, good thing because I think there's a lot of people that do not see any issue with that. And I mean, I think that's something that's really worth encouraging people to seriously consider the ramifications or the potential ramifications of implementing something like that. It's a hell of a lot of power to give to. Yes. A handful of people in a bureaucracy. Mm. And, and my point about the Kleinsmith stuff is that. It's it's frustrating that the American people were were force fed this Russia collusion narrative for three plus years. And the reality is. The FISA warrants were arguably illegally obtained because they were based on false information that was known to be false, known to be false as early as like mm. January 2017. Um, and that na narrative was perpetuated mm -hmm. and really when you start to dig into it, the entire Russia collusion narrative was was more of a cover up of the original sort of misdeeds of the FBI in abusing their power to spy on the Trump campaign than it was anything about actually like finding collusion and, and countless government representatives to former intelligence community members. 
just boldface lied and were given a platform to lie. And no one has been held accountable for that. And that's a terrifying abuse of power. Even if, you know, even if you're a Democrat, that is everyone should be disgusted and terrified by that abuse of power, because if we allow our intelligence services to get away with that sort of thing, who's to say they couldn't? You couldn't be a part of Mm -hmm. the target next time, you know, and um, and the fact that Kleinsmith was basically in court allowed to say, like, yes, I intentionally added a word to to mislead the person who read this email so that it said the opposite of what it actually said. But I didn't know that what I was saying was misleading. I mean, that was his defense. (laughs) Right. The fact that he was allowed to say that is ridiculous. Slap on the hand. Yeah. And then he gets nothing, you know, community service. Which it'll be interesting to see what that community service turns out to be, you know. So it's just it's, your punishment is you have to go eat ice cream with Joe Biden. Yeah, you know. So um, anyway, I I think that's you know something that definitely deserved a heck of a lot more attention, and it's something that shouldn't be a partisan issue. It's something that you know every American should be um, worried about and, right. and try to prevent from happening again. And the whole collusion narrative is just—I mean—it's just dragged on forever, and you still see the long-term effects of it, like with the Wall Street bets things, you just saw Jimmy Kimmel the other night on a show talking about Wall Street bets and that how there were infiltrations of like Russian agents or whatever, like Russia was part of this whole. Hillary Clinton and Nancy Pelosi on Hillary Clinton's podcast, which, you know, I mean, she has a podcast. Yeah, I can't even. (laughs) Yep. And uh, I haven't listened to it. It would probably, I probably should, uh, it's about as interesting as the Michelle I wonder who the, podcast. I wonder who the audience is I've never is listened for to that, that one either. Yeah. It's not. It's not I good. bet Michelle Obama's <laughs> podcast has, has to have a bigger audience than uh, You guys want to hear about a roast? Hillary's Sorry, <laughs> I'm changing the subject real fast. This is just an aside. I the A tweet a while ago went out from the Spotify podcasts account that said like, mm-hmm. what, if, what, if, what is the greatest lesson you've learned about podcasting in the last year? This was a while ago, but I quote tweeted and said that not everyone that could, that could have a podcast should have a podcast. And then I just I added Michelle Obama directly. I'm like, hey, hey. Oh. <laughs> that's pretty. That is that is sad. That's good. That's a, that's great. That's a fucking punch up right there is what that's called. <laughs> yeah, I just I honestly, I just really don't know why people get obsessed with with political figures. Just in general. That's an episode topic. Whatever aisle you're on, like people like worship Michelle and they worship Hillary and they worship, obviously they worship Trump. And right. it's yeah. just like, whoa. It's just heroism. I think it's something to, and, and again, we could have a big conversation True. about this, but yeah, I think it's a part of human nature. And maybe I just view politicians because I, I obviously idolize certain figures that I admire and that I find value in what they say and what they think. And, Maybe just that, that, that what I view in someone like Jordan Peterson, you know, someone sees in Hillary or Trump. But I think any I mean, that's form, blasphemous, but <laughs> I think any form of idolizing a human being is, is dangerous. Yeah. You've got a, you, there's a balance, right? Yeah. I mean, humans are flawed. People make mistakes. Mm-hmm. And if, and I think actually having a healthier, more well-balanced perspective on that would you know, not lead us to, it wouldn't lead the, um, the San Francisco school board to remove Lincoln's name from their schools, which they just did recently. Yeah. Because wow. I did not know about that. <laughs> he's flawed. He's flawed in their eyes. 
Yeah. And now the mayor of San Francisco is actually, um, how does it work? Some function of the, the city of San Francisco is suing the school system because they haven't had in-person schooling for nearly a year, but they found time to rename all of these schools, including they're, they're getting rid of Diane Feinstein's name on a school, which mm. is interesting. But yeah, even Lincoln and another abolitionist was uh, caught up in that. But my point being, I think if people had more um, of like a balanced perspective of human <laughs> beings, they'd recognize that like they don't have to be perfect yeah. in order for them and their work to be valued. Right. Totally. And they shouldn't be oh, idolized. Man. Yeah. I mean, like the faction yeah. that wanted to tear down the Jefferson Memorial on the DC mall. Did you guys hear about that one? It was a while oh, ago. Yeah. Basically, they were saying like. Over the summer? Yeah, yeah, basically just saying, like, Jefferson owns slaves, so he is a worthless piece of trash. He's like, yeah, but we have a declaration of independence that we all kind of treat as, like, divinely inspired scriptures. So what do you want to do there? Yeah. I, I mean, think- they did tear down a statue of Frederick Douglass. <laughs> Not a great look. <laughs> that just shows their fucking Not ignorance. Not a great yeah. look. That, <laughs> that, 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 <laughs> yeah, that's, the, uh, you know, I tried to really be considerate of, like, <laughs> the arguments and certain figures. I was like, okay, maybe that shouldn't be like in a capital, but like it should probably be in a museum. And then it's like, oh yeah. And then this week I, I, I know I'd mentioned in previous podcasts that they like destroyed that random, beautiful statue of an elk. Oh yeah. Yeah. And then <laughs> tore down Frederick Douglass. And I'm like, y'all just, yeah. Okay. You've lost you just your, to destroy things. Me listening. Right. Yep. I think there's, um, on that, line of thought like the push to erase sort of the historical figures that we find fault with Mm -hmm. when we look at them through the 21st century Mm -hmm, lens i think that erodes and undermines the foundation of our democratic republic and i think every time we try to sort of like smooth out those blemishes we make the overall structure less secure totally and i think the more we do that the more vulnerable everything that rests upon that foundation mm-hmm. becomes. And, and, and eventually you reach a point where, there, where it's, it's no longer secure at all and the whole thing can be toppled pretty easily. Mm-hmm. Well, the events that have happened and the actions that people are taking are exactly what, as leaders of certain countries have said, like, it's exactly what they want. Like The actual enemies of the United States want this to happen. And I'm sure that like Russia loves all of the like, oh yeah, we colluded to blah 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 blah. Like they're sitting back, like we didn't have to do anything, and get all this attention and makes us look powerful. And I will say, there are massive Russian disinformation and oh completely and efforts to cause disrest in the United States. It's, totally, it's <laughs> it's bipartisan. That was never in with a dispute in the whole Russia collusion. Right, thing. exactly. Yeah. Right. There are these big yeah. farms in Russia that are that are it, using cyber attacks and yeah. manipulation to creating pit bots to Americans yeah. against each other. Exactly. And uh so But that doesn't translate to right. the president doing that to somehow change votes to steal an election. Yeah, exactly. Hey, we're still talking about the election. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Jeez. It's important. It's important because guess what? There's gonna be an election in less than two years and there's gonna be another election two years after that and elections in between that's gonna happen totally 
You guys so want to know my favorite about it George and Martha Washington fun fact? Oh, please. So what they were slave things? owners. I've been to Mount Vernon. They tell they tell the story at Mount Vernon. Um, I've been there too. So they were slave owners, and famously, Martha Washington was the one who released the slaves after George died. So mm-hmm. George leaves his slaves to Martha in his will, essentially like viewing it as, okay. well, I need to make sure she's taken care of. It's like a retirement plan, right? Like mm-hmm. people to actually keep her well fed and keep her alive. Um, so like. The story is, and then after George's death, Martha, out of the goodness of her heart, goes and releases the slaves. But what actually happened was the slaves all threatened to kill her, and then she emancipated them. I, is that right? Wow. <laughs> okay. I didn't know it's that. It's like, ah, uh, oops. <laughs> it is. All right. thought well, she was hey, so great, but then it's one, like, one, oh, beans. One, good for them. Two. Interesting sometimes how history is written. (laughs) (laughs) Very true. Hmm. That's the biggest thing. Going back to like idolizing people. Like I do think George Washington was an incredible man because of a lot of what he achieved. But that the the whole owning slaves and that whole like that is a huge, huge bad thing. But like you can still look at a person and be like, ah, greatness. Well, that's the challenge of viewing of judging people through a modern lens. True. That was very much the norm and had been the norm throughout all of human history. Right. And like on the African continent, those poor people were enslaved and sold to European and American traders. Like that's for fuck's sakes in parts of the world today, the Chinese communist party have human slaves right Mm -hmm. around the world. And like, and, and throughout the middle East, there are, humans that are still enslaved and there's sex slaves that are trafficked through the United States. I mean, like it's Uh, still a problem. Like, and again, none of this is somehow trying to justify previous slavery history. Okay. But like the fact is that I believe that in any given year, there are more people enslaved than the entire duration of the American slave trade. You got the numbers on that? I'm going to, I'm going to look this up right now. (laughs) Do it. Like through se- like like sex trafficking, you mean? Or? Sex trafficking, whatever, all sorts of trafficking. Think of all the drug mules too, right? I mean, there's right. a lot of that, and like a lot of the children that are quote unquote separated from f- their families are actually kids that are like basically abducted and mm-hmm. used to get across the border that like aren't actually related to the drug smugglers that they've traveled with. It's terrifying and really sad. I guess my point was just that like that was sadly the norm of human history and it's kind of like it's it's very limiting to judge things from one perspective without sort of having a a wider view of context and and we'll miss out on a lot of value if we limit ourselves that way at any given time this is in 2016 there was an estimated 40.3 million people in modern slavery that's forced labor forced marriage um trafficking sex trafficking that's a lot of people. It's hard to believe. Yeah, both are totally abhorrent and a dark stain. And it's a shame that uh, this problem persists in yeah. the modern world. That equates to 
victims of modern slavery for every 1,000 people in the world. A lot of the shit we buy, probably a lot of the stuff in this very room yep. and in my house is the product of slave labor. I yep. mean, we're increasingly realizing, actually, what was it? It was like a, I don't know, half a dozen solar companies mm-hmm. came out and made a statement about the fact that they were sort of exposed for, I mean, the reality is most of the minerals that go into solar panels and the batteries that are used for energy storage actually are those resources come from places like the congo where like child labor is used and right people work in horrific conditions but these particular solar companies their um products were being the raw materials were being traced back to is it shenzhen yeah where the uyghur population is being um there's genocide Mm -hmm. taking place and so some of these companies have come out and said, like, we're going to change her entire like supply chain. We're not going to have anything to do with this. Um, and a few haven't said anything at all about it. But. And that's noble and like we should do that. But I think when companies start to really dig into like trying to trace back how much of their raw materials or can be can be traced to slave labor, I think the world will be pretty shocked by how mm-hmm. much that actually touches our modern world. Yeah, for sure. And there's going to be huge costs for like not participating in that. And this this is great because this is going to be something that we will discuss next week because this does tie into one of the recent executive orders from Biden. He just recently, this has got to be in the last couple of weeks, maybe even this month, the last few days, he basically implemented an executive order that just amplified previous orders from Trump. By uh, American. By American. Yeah. Which I, as an individual consumer, value buying American. I will prioritize spending a lot of money to buy something that I know it was made in America. The f- materials came from America. It comes from American. F- it's very f- rare a product from start to finish can come very from rare. one place. And when you do find them, they are expensive. And right. I have no issue doing that. But I actually think that buy American regulation is a really bad thing. Well, so. what it does, is it's going to create... It's going to hurt low-income people because it's going to make everything more expensive. Well, yeah, exactly. Right. But the counter argument to that is that, and I, and I think this is mostly just a talking point. Mm-hmm. It's not really based in reality. But the, the counter argument is that if you buy American, then you're avoiding buying products that are created through slave labor. Right. And that sounds nice and well and good, but I... Uh, well, and it's very interesting, too, because that is. there's ways that businesses i would say rightfully try to get around that regulation by like having design in the united states and then having it produced or like assembled in the united states but then you know all this other stuff occurs i i heard a stat i do not know if this is 100 percent correct but it's like a pair of nike sneakers for example has something like resources that come from 80 different countries because it's like the shoelaces come from Germany and then those shoelaces are all the materials for that are sourced from all these countries. And then the rubber comes from, you know, yada, yada, yada. And by the end of the day, you've got a shoe that, you know, has touched the markets of 80 countries, which is a really cool thing. And it creates jobs (laughs) in those economies. Like free trade is a beautiful thing and it benefits the poorest among us, mm-hmm. whether it's consumers in the United States who need a cheap product that they can get at Walmart or it's people who a woman living in, I don't know, Myanmar that came to mind just because of the chaos that's happening there right now. But like living in, in Myanmar who like 
used to have to probably sell her body and now she doesn't have to do that anymore because she can work in a factory. You know, Mm -hmm. like free trade is fantastic. And there's in my mind, the buy American thing is just political posturing and it's going to come at it. It's going to complicate things and discourage business investment and make things more expensive for consumers. And I think there's probably a better way to root out slave products than doing that. Correct. That's a sneak peek of next week. (laughs) (laughs) Look at us go. Another talking shop. What? 1.2 now. We love you guys. (laughs) Thanks for letting us ramble at you. Yeah. Henning, it's nice to have you back. Hey, thank you. Have you here. I was so quiet those last few minutes because my internet was going bonkers. Dang it. Are you guys getting a big snowstorm out there? We're supposed to be, but they said that was supposed to start like 36 hours ago. So, (laughs) Oh, has it not (laughs) snowed? No, not at all. It's just like, it's just fucking cold. Very windy. Oh, yeah. Man, you know what? I've seen, I've known a couple meteorologists. I know... The modeling and the mathematics behind it, very intensive. It's a very difficult yeah. field, but man, they need to like up their hiring requirements. <laughs> oh no! Because I feel like oh, I, I feel like I feel like meteorologists <laughs> are pretty bad at their job. Burn. No, I think it's just like weather <laughs> and climate are really, really hard to predict. Really complex. Yeah, They're that's another thing too. We don't complex. have any good models for all sorts of things. Like yep, yep. spread of COVID. <laughs> wow. Mostly. The models, man. The models were wrong. Models have been consistently wrong wherever applied. Fauci, seven times you told us the models were wrong. <laughs> I this episode still? Is this the episode still? Divulge. No, I, I think I think we're we're just wrapping up. Digress. Digress. Diverge. <laughs> whatever. Like that. <laughs> One cocktail and I'm gone. Jeez. I'm gonna diverge into a digression. Yes. Nice save. What do you guys say? Are we done? I think so. I made a fool of myself. <laughs> no, you didn't. Cheers. <laughs> Thank you for joining us on the Whiskey Bench. If you would do us a favor, please tell a friend about the show in person, with a text, or by sharing about it on social media. You can join us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and Pinterest, all at Whiskey Bench Pod. And don't forget to subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Remember, always drink responsibly and cheers to a fulfilled life with all its beauty.